214. <laughs> Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. I'm John. And I'm Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to look through it and see God. We don't come to it primarily to look at it and see ourselves. All right. Uh, we'll jump right into the book of Exodus. And remember, this year, we're doing it chronologically, but it's an adjusted chronological, right? In most chronological plans, you'll do Genesis, like one through... 11. 11, and then it jumps straight to Job, and then you come back. Oh. We just found that, yeah, that the Pentateuch as a whole, right? We're yeah. going to take these first five books as a whole, and then we'll we'll go to Job, and then we'll move on. So we're going to do an adjusted, mm. modified one, one that makes a little bit more sense, especially since we're flying over so quick. We just want to make sure that we're not jumping around back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So we're in the book of Exodus, Exodus. right? Super, super important yeah. book for understanding the whole of the Bible. We want yeah. to go through the whole Bible and Exodus is so important. Um, the book of Exodus, bro, uh, comes from this word that means departure, right? right? And it is mainly about God saving his people from bondage, bro, mm. out of this departure of Egypt yeah. so that he can dwell in their midst, right? right? So that, that God can have this relationship with them. He can have communion with them, bro, and fulfillment of the promises he gave to Abraham, right? right? So it's all connected. And at the beginning of Exodus, yeah. Uh, in the Hebrew text, there's this one letter that's a conjunction. Mm. It's like an and. Mm. They usually don't translate it. Right. <laughs> but it's an and showing that this is in continuation of the Joseph story. Right, right, right. right. This is not separate books, bro. Yep. Like This is all one story and it's continuing on and on. And so we learn. But in this narrative, it's like, yo, a Pharaoh came up. He ain't know nothing about no Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph gone. Joe who? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'm, nah, I'm cool. I don't yeah. know him. <laughs> yeah. But Israel is still in Egypt, and what we see is they are now being oppressed, yeah. right? They are oppressed by Pharaoh and his people, and they are doing hard labor. And this is real oppression. My professor like really drove this home when he taught Exodus. He was like, yo, this is not just a theological message right. that the mm. author is trying to bring about. Yeah. This is real oppression, right. and God is going to liberate his people from real bondage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what I love about how the book starts off too is we see, and we're gonna see it time and time again, God's work is always going to outlive God's workers, all right? Joseph was there. He was the man. He had the connect with the, uh, mm -hmm. he had the connect with God yeah. and the connect with Pharaoh and everybody dies except for God. Mm. And the people of God are still there, mm -hmm. but now the people of God are going to have to get their own connect with God. There is not mm. going to be this uh, vicarious relationship with God through yes. their grandparents and all that stuff. God wants a direct interaction with them. And that's what we're going to see here in this story. And one of the things that we're going to see is the people of God are oppressed, mm. but like Ephraim, right? They're made fruitful in the midst of their mm. affliction. So the people of God carry on what has been from the beginning. God is shining this light out of darkness. Yeah. Pharaoh gets insecure, salty, and says, yo, turn the heat up because yeah. we really don't want them to grow. Yeah. And it says the more they're afflicted, the more that they grow. God's people mm -hmm. are flowers that can grow in any condition. And that's the irony, <clears throat> I think, of this text in right. this book. But it's the irony of history, right? right? That the church or the people of God has always right. <clears throat> grown under persecution. Right. So you think about 
the Israelites here in Egypt, yeah. right? They're going to grow in the midst of persecution. You think about the apostles, right? right. In, the, in the book of Acts, yeah. they're persecuted heavily, but the church just keeps growing, keeps growing, right, keeps growing. Right, right. You think about um, after that period, in the early church, right? In the Roman Empire, where right. they were being killed by Nero and all the um, Roman emperors, yeah. the church grows. Right. You think about the African-American church right. in America, right, right, who right. was the persecuted church in America, right. grew. You think about the church in China, right? right? Over and over and over, you see that God is showing like, no, no, no. I do this. Right. I'm the God of history. My people are going to grow even in the midst yeah. of persecution. And I know we're going to get to this, so we're going to have to jump back to yeah. chapter two. But chapter three gives the perfect visual yeah. or object lesson mm-hmm. where Moses, after he does what he does, and we're going to talk through that. Make his pilgrimage, yeah. Moses walks by this bush that's on fire but not consumed. And he's saying, yo, this is a crazy sight. Usually fire burns things. Why is this bush not consumed? consumed. And he turns aside and walks. And God says, take off your shoes, right? Put the Crocs on the ground. Come over here. Take these off. Holy ground. And what God is revealing to him is not just who he is, Mm. but God is revealing to him how he does things, Mm. right? Mm. That the bush not being consumed is going to be a picture of what takes place with the people of God. Like you said, the people of God have constantly found themselves in the fire, but being in the fire doesn't mean that you are consumed as long as the presence of God is with you, right? (laughs) So this picture is going to be, right, a picture of what the presence of God does when the people of God undergo trial all the way until we get to Christ, right? Christ is going to be consumed Amen. in the fire of death, but he's not going to be, right, consumed. He's going to mm. rise from mm. the dead, mm. right? Absolutely. And so, yeah, the people of God don't just undergo hardship. The people of God pass through hardship. That's good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Moses. Moses. <clears throat> we get introduced to this guy named Moses, and he is big time in the Bible and this uh, narrative of Exodus. And what we see, I just want to point out in chapter two, what happens to Moses is what's going to happen to the Israelites. Right. Right. He is going to be saved through these death dealing waters of the Nile river and come out to life on the other side. Mm. Pharaoh said, yo, kill all the boys, fam. Kill all the firstborn boys because I don't want them to grow anymore. He knew that, yo, like the men is how the lineage was traced. Right. He said, if you kill all them, they'll eventually die out. Right. And Mo, we see here Moses is saved by the work of women, yep. right? And we see that women have this important and integral role in the story and plan of God that they actually save Moses before Moses saved the people. So the midwives, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, no, that's no. They ensure that he's born, mm-hmm. say, yo, these ladies are just tough with it, man. We get to it and the baby's already out. Like that scene in Martin where I yeah, yeah, the baby shoots out. All right. Ain't yeah. Seen Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No umbilical cord this TV. You ain't seen that. Yeah. All right. Fresh Prince kind of guy. Yeah. All right. I got yeah. you. Yeah. No, that's all good. But then Pharaoh says, yo, throw all the boys into the Nile. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Moses is thrown into the Nile. Mm-hmm. And out of the Nile, mm-hmm. he's drawn out. Look at this by somebody in Pharaoh's very household, right? And we just see, once again, the intricate way that God is going to work about this plan of salvation, right? Everything is intentional. Everything is precise. There's not a wasted moment or movement. Even people that are unaware 
that they are a part of God's plan or mm. a part of God's plan, right? Mm. Moses's parents, you go back and read, and it's not like he was born and they like, and like the like Lion King scene comes up, right? Where the sun shines on him in a unique way and they say, oh, this is mm. a special child. They look at him and they say, oh, this... Yo, yo, this kid is cute. Let's make sure he don't <laughs> die. Yeah. Right. And we see the way that God is even putting mm. like just these natural mm. parental longings for their children to see long life. God's going to use that to bring about the deliverance of a nation. It's just helpful for us to be reminded mm. that people do not have to know they're specifically doing mm. the will of God to be playing into the plan that God's laying His out. story, his narrative. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. He's behind history. He's behind the scenes doing his thing. And um, <clears throat> so we talked about Exodus 3 slightly yeah. and we got to move. Yeah. But uh, it, it's super dope too because again, the fire, right? So the bush mm. is burning. The last time we seen fire in scripture was right. Genesis 15, mm. right? In Genesis 15, bro, that was the Abrahamic promise. He says, yo, your people going to be enslaved for 100 years. I'm going to come. I'm going to get them out. Right. And so the author of uh, these texts are trying to link these stories together, mm. right, and show that oh, God is good. is bringing about His promises. Yeah. Uh, and and then too, often missed, this is on a mountain, right? right. So this is at Mount Horeb, the text yeah. says, which is Mount Sinai, which is where the people will go after they leave Egypt. Right. So Moses is in the wilderness; he's not in Egypt when God appears to him. Right. But he's on this mountain, and God usually appears to people on mountains. Right. Mountains in the ancient world connected heaven and earth, and it was where the presence of God was. Mm. And He is meeting with the Lord. And the Lord is telling him, and Moses is like me, Exodus 4. He's like, God, well, I don't speak well. Well, God, I, I don't do this. Like, well, what if they don't believe me? Like, you know? And so we have this call narrative. And what we're going to see is that God is not going to use people because of their strengths, yeah, but in spite of their weaknesses. That's it. The answer to Moses's and our insecurity is the presence of God, yeah. not increased um competence yeah. or performance. Mm -hmm. Genesis 4, bro, I, I love the way that it ends off. It talks about, yo, God knew their suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's not the fact that God knew it that made the people worship. It is the fact that God let the people know that he knew it. That's good. So God knows, right? So we know God knows all things. But it's actually in Moses telling the people, hey, listen, God knows. Now that they know that God knows, that's the thing that causes them to worship, right? Uh, people need to understand not just that God knows everything, but that God knows everything about them and the condition that they're in and that God cares. Their yeah. ignorance of who God is and what God cares about was the thing that stood in the way of their ability to worship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we ask that um, we will remember that you um, not only see our suffering, but you do something about it, God. Uh, we pray that we would be reminded of the book of Exodus and what this holds out for us as believers. We love you and we thank you. So